This episode of the Cascadian Beer Podcast has been made possible by the BC Ale Trail. Arrive thirsty, leave inspired at the bcaletrail.ca. What do you do after living in a major city enjoying the craft beer revolution and then relocating to a small community? Well, you build your own brewery, of course. Welcome to the Cascadian Beer Podcast. My name's Aaron, and I'm Cascadian. In this podcast series, I profile the unique breweries of Cascadia, a region that has a strong presence on the international beer scene. Cascadia is a bioregion in the Pacific Northwest on the North American continent. It's made up of the U.S. states of Washington and Oregon, as well as the Canadian province of British Columbia. If you enjoy this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend and subscribing to this podcast if you haven't already. It doesn't cost you anything, and you'll always be up to date with the latest episodes. Depending on how you look at it, I'm either at the end of the road or at the beginning. I'm in Prince Rupert, British Columbia. Located here is a small brewery that has been making award-winning beers for the past few years, and yet has still kind of been a secret to the larger world. I sat down with Wheelhouse Brewing. Uh, Craig Uthet, owner, community brewer, Wheelhouse Brewing. All right. I can do that smoother. The community brewer is just in my email, but I'm not entirely sure what it means. All right. Have you added janitor to that too? Oh, trying to hire a janitor right now okay weeks right (laughs) yeah right so i can yeah so i'm trying to get that off my job title right right so we're in prince rupert's you're local i think you would best describe it where is prince rupert (laughs) i was talking to a fellow in pittsburgh on the phone yesterday (laughs) right so if i need to dumb it down easily i'm like we're in northern canada on the water close to Alaska. Mm-hmm. But that's for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. For people within Cascadia, they probably know where we are. Yeah. Where we are. Yeah. We're the northern tip of Cascadia, probably. Yeah. Right across the street from Haida Gwaii. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Prince Rupert, BC, uh, northwest British Columbia, mm-hmm. the end of Highway 16, mm-hmm. on the water, close to Alaska. Yep. Yeah. All right. And how did beer find you? Oh, I was probably... 14 or something dumb like that. But uh, I think good beer found me right before I moved to Prince Rupert. Okay. Where are you originally from then? Well, I grew up in Northern BC. I'm a Prince George born and raised. And at the age of 18, left for school, left for work, left for everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, between I, between school in Alberta and then Victoria. And uh, the last place I lived before Prince Rupert was Vancouver. So I was living in East Van. It was 2000 and I don't know, four maybe or something like that. I'm not sure where that is in the craft beer revolution chart, but I feel like that's when I was drinking my first. That was early days. Yeah. And in terms of BC, that's early days. Yeah. Like you remember drinking, I remember drinking Red Racer IPA, which is pro and actually all over East Van. I remember drinking a lot of um, uh, Storm. Yeah. And Ray and R&B Raven beer, which are sort of the three Mm -hmm. from my three starter beers for sure. So I was drinking that beer and then I, and then I moved up here 
and I couldn't drink that beer anymore. <laughs> no, you definitely could not. So it was, uh, so the, so yeah, so I started to try to like learn how to make my own beer because I was figuring I could make that stuff. Okay. So uh, you bought a homebrew kit, no doubt. And what was your first batch? The origin story of Wheelhouse goes that uh, one of my partners, Kent, brought us all to his house, called a meeting and we had some beers and his pitch was like, why don't we start a brewery? And I was like, well, okay, well, I guess we got to learn how to make beer then. Mm -hmm. So then uh, at the time, there's a few people who in the meeting who just like, you guys are crazy. I don't have time for this. And they didn't partake. But uh, a few of us, including the now three still owners, myself, James and Kent, we all, uh, we all started homebrewing. And our first batch was Strathcona Pale Ale, which is a famous recipe from Dan's homebrewing. Yeah. And uh, I was, I went down to Vancouver for business and in my luggage on the way home, it was our first batch. So it was extract. So in my luggage on the way home, I brought home all the ingredients for everybody. <laughs> right. Right. Including a giant jug of like liquid malt extract that I put in my suitcase. Yep. And by the time I got home, it had like leaked. Not badly, but mm -hmm. unless I had liquid malt extract. I mean, we've all had the toothpaste leak every now and again in our bag when we travel, but yeah. malt extract is a whole new beast. This so. was about 30 liters of malt extract as right. well. So, yeah. 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 So that's what I made first. Yeah. I'm sure I, at the time I thought it tasted good, but it probably tasted bad. Okay. Yeah. I'm in conversation with Wheelhouse Brewing. Now, this was my first time in Northern British Columbia, and I figured, how am I going to get around? What am I going to look at? Where are the breweries? Well, the BC Ale Trail recently launched their Ale Trail for Northern BC. At bcaletrail.ca, you'll not only find suggestions on what breweries you should visit, but also pubs, local restaurants, and other activities the area has to offer. And while you're on the website, you'll find a comprehensive list of every craft brewery in BC, a calendar with great beer events, and a blog featuring great stories of BC's craft beer scene. So whether you're planning a visit or being a tourist in your own backyard, let the BC Ale Trail guide you to your next beer adventure. Arrive thirsty, leave inspired at bcaletrail.ca. And thanks so much for supporting this episode, guys. All right, let's jump back into conversation with Craig at Wheelhouse Brewing. How long did it take you to then open this uh, brewery? You know, we planned for a long time. I remember meeting in my boardroom of my old job. I'm going to say it was three years of planning and probably two years of, of building. And we were fortunate, you know, we... We were fortunate to have a space that was either not costing us rent or not costing us much rent. And so we could kind of build it slowly on the weekends, on the evenings. We weren't paying like Main Street Vancouver rent to try and get the place open. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I can try to work it backwards. We opened December 2013. I feel like we got our loan and really got moving in terms of like equipment and everything like that probably January of 2011 or February, something like that. So yeah. And it was probably a couple of years of like beers and business planning in a boardroom before that. Yeah. So that's how long it takes. All right. And then what's your system out there that you have? Well, what we have right now is not what we started with. Oh, okay. So what did you start with? Yeah. So, yeah. We started um, with a four hectoliter system and into plastic tanks. And we still have that system. Mm-hmm. And it still works great. And, you know, we made award-winning beer on that system. So, yeah, we started we started this brewery for like $65,000. Uh, 
and that included the equipment and that was because well because of the plastic tanks and just yeah. because of a, a small system yeah but that number is unheard of i don't think you can get oh no, no yeah i'm yeah <laughs> so we, yeah. so yeah we had that and that and then uh and then three years in, we expanded to what we have now, which is a 17 hectoliter system made in specific mechanical in Victoria. Yes, costing a little bit more than $65,000. Yes, but I mean, it's quite impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's shiny. Yeah. They're always shiny. I'll give it that. Right. So how many uh, fermenters then and how many bright tanks? We've got four fermenters and one bright tank right now. They're all single. So they're all 17 hect tanks. We have been running those for about a year mm -hmm. and we just finished our, really our first summer on them. And we were, when we did the expansion, we thought we'd be good for like two or three years or something, but quite clearly we don't. So it's time to add more equipment uh, this winter. Okay. So where is that going to go? Because it kind of seems like you're pushed into every little corner of this building here. So Yeah. I mean, usually what, uh, what folks do is, uh, switch single tanks into double tanks. Mm -hmm. They don't take up too much more of a footprint. Mm -hmm. So we can add, uh, anyways, we can increase our size by 50% without taking up too much more space. Okay. But we are definitely almost maxed out here. Mm -hmm. So with a little bump like that, that should, you know, that can keep our revenues, increase our revenues a little bit, and mm -hmm. then we can make a plan for the next three years after that or something like that so you say maxed out i mean is that just serving the local community because you guys don't package all do you yeah so. no we do package all right we have a wonderful it's called the the little prince okay and that's not the nickname we gave it that's what it came with <laughs> it's a, a semi-automatic three head bottling machine and uh you sit down and you just bottle beer for four hours and and eventually you're done. Right. Yeah. Uh, so no, we put our, we do package it into bombers, 650 mil bombers, and that's distributed all across the North regularly accounts in Dawson Creek and Fort St. John all the way along highway 16 mm -hmm. to Prince George. And then as far South as Williams Lake. And those are sort of regular shipments. Uh, and then we have irregular shipments to other places like Kamloops, mm -hmm. Victoria, sheer yeah. water so yeah yeah because yeah, it's important uh we have a tap room a lounge endorsement tap room yeah. it does well for us we're really happy that it gets well supported in town but there's only again we can only stock that so much there's only so many hours it can be open mm -hmm. so at least 50 percent of our revenues come from comes from beer that goes out right now but also a lot of it's in prince rupert too right so. yeah that's true yeah like we have local deliveries around Prince Rupert to how many accounts I'm not going to count them, but yeah, there's a number. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm not saying we're not certainly not ubiquitous throughout mm. town, but we're in most places. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you actually opened your doors here back day one, uh, what was the community's response? They lined up, they lined up for when we were open because we would always run out of beer and, and fast we'd run out of beer fast. Mm -hmm. Like I remember the plan was the business plan has open four days a week or something right away. We knew we couldn't do that. <laughs> so we were down to, I think two Friday and Saturday. And I remember we, <laughs> we'd open at four on Friday and we knew how much beer we had for that week. <laughs> yeah, right. And so it was like, okay, we got like six kegs or something like that. And I remember we'd open at four. And I remember particularly one time 
turning to James and I think it was like, not even, it was like six 30 or something. I'm like, James, we've hit the limit for today. We, we got to stop or we can't open tomorrow. And he's like, look around you. And there was like, you know, like 50 people just everywhere just drinking away. And I was like, right, we can't stop this. <laughs> so then I think we ran on a beer that night at eight and then had to close for the whole rest of the week kind of thing. Right. So those were good times, but then we became too famous for running out of beer. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah. And, and that's not good for business. Right. It's not yeah. good for business or whatever. So, but I mean, it was quick, it was easy to add more tanks early on. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we just had plastic tanks and, and there wasn't a huge amount of infrastructure to, to tap into with like large glycol systems or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. so really it was just sort of labor that we were limited with. Mm-hmm. We all had our jobs. I was brewing like at night or on the weekends mm-hmm. and yeah. That's, and that's how it started. And then how did the expansion go then, uh, from there? Like, how did you, you know, prevent yourselves from closing up shop at eight o'clock on a Friday night? Yeah. Well, I th- just, uh, adding, a, adding a bunch of, t- um, c- uh, tank capacity. So it was a four hex system. So just brewing, we had added a bunch of double tanks and just, brewing a lot into those tanks, I guess. And, and, uh, so with your regular job, then would you like clock out at five and come right here and just start brewing during the week? I'm trying to think on how I did it. I mean, I think I might've, it's a bit hazy. Um, mm-hmm. I think I might've, well, it's negotiated at that time, right? You're yeah. just trying to make beer and sell it. And then it was disappearing in front of you. Yeah. When we opened personally, from a family perspective, I was really fortunate. My wife was on a, like a, a mat leave with an extra year. Yeah. So she was really like a rock there. So I think she just kind of, I got this, go and brew the beer or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it was late nights. I probably had gone, I had a very slow phase out of my previous day job. Like I was like, oh, I'm down to four days a week. I'm down to three days a week. I'm down to two days a week. I'm a contractor. Mm-hmm. And so I think that phase out, again, I was fortunate to have a, previous boss who was like, yeah, okay, we can deal with it. So yeah, I would just have like a day off and then brew on that day and brew on the weekends kind of thing. So yeah, we just, we got it done. There wasn't a lot of distribution at the beginning, but we did bottle right from the start, which if I could go back, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't have done that, but you know, yeah, then we we would have had more beer for like growlers and pints or whatever, but Hey, that's okay. Lesson learned. Yeah. So you're really community focused here, no doubt. Do you do like community brew nights at all at the at the brewery? No, I think people just want to drink it here, right? <laughs> um, no, you know it, it, it's it, it's interesting. I make that joke, but it's probably true. I mean, uh, I came from a home brewing background, and I was like, really, when I started the brewery, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have like home brew club meetings here and stuff like that but it was a really small community for that. It, it may have picked up a little bit, but there wasn't a ton of interest uh, to do that sort of thing. There was a couple of folks that were doing it. And so we would bring them in supplies and everything like that. But mm. that's about as far as that went. Right. Yeah. We're probably community focused in a way that I think we've provided a place where people that wasn't here before. And so the community supports us that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they, I think they enjoy coming here we have other community events whether that be live music Mm -hmm. or sort of vinyl nights or 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 dj nights or something like just things that i don't i don't think they were they always had a place to be before Mm -hmm. and that was all that's all been a happy accident too 
I thought we were just starting a brewery. I was going to put beer in kegs and that would be it. But things have just kind of moved forward at their own pace. Yeah, because we're taping here on a Wednesday night and it seems pretty full downstairs. So um, it's just yeah. the acoustics. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, that's true. Like I'll be, I've worked in here and I'll be like, what is, it is like Thursday. What is going on out there? It's, there must be like 60 people. Mm-hmm. And I've walked around the corner and there's like 10. And it's all it takes is a couple of loud voices out there. All right. Well, we give the, I'm being modest. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. We're here on a Wednesday night and yeah, there's usually a good handful of folks out there. And so to visit Prince Rupert, I mean, it is quite a trek, but once you get here, um, besides visiting your brewery, what are some local activities that you would recommend to people to check out? We've got lots. We've got an ocean with fish in it. The outdoors and the natural resources and the natural beauty are splendid and top notch. And that's, I don't know if we are known for that, but you know, we have that kind of stuff. So we certainly have our whale watching and our fishing trips and everything like that. Lots of walking and hiking. We actually have a pretty magnificent restaurant eating, dining out scene. I'm not entirely sure what, what the history behind that is. It's multicultural. We have, you know, I think three Vietnamese restaurants at least. <laughs> Just and and that goes back to the sort of culture of Vietnamese people coming here to fish and then mm-hmm. opening restaurants after that kind of thing. So for a town our size, we do pretty well on the on the dining scene. So that's pretty nice. So between your dining, your whale watching, your fishing, your hiking, your kayaking, your drinking beer at the brewery, we've got something for everybody. Right. Yeah. And if somebody was wanting to go down the path of opening up their uh, own brewery themselves, like maybe in a community like yours, what would be some advice that you would uh, give them? Well, I don't think it's unique advice, but really helps to be community focused. I mean, your town will get behind you, you know, like, like you've never seen before. If you're bringing something to that town that, that adds value to it. Mm -hmm. I think it's always a struggle for smaller towns to draw talent or just, you know, educated job seeking individuals. One of the reasons we started the brewery was simply because we heard that, for example, like the Port Authority was having trouble recruiting people. So like, well, what if there's like a craft brewery there? That's going to be a little, mm-hmm. you know, notch, tip of the old hat. And so we've done that. And I think if other, like if you're trying to start a, a brewery, particularly in a small town, that's the kind of thing that that's, that should be one of the reasons you're starting it. Because you want to like add value and you want to give back to your community. Yeah. So um, other than that, probably get some money. <laughs> More than $65,000 yeah. because that's unheard of anymore. I don't think you can do that. It was five years ago when we started, when we tried that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Okay. That's yeah. it. So that's all you want. That's all I want. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> big, big. Thank you to Craig for his time. It was great. And Prince Rupert was the end of my trip, but don't worry. There's still more episodes to come from Northern BC. Those will be coming out soon. And if you missed the previous ones from Barkerville or Smithers, you can check that out on the website at cascadian.beer, or they're also available on the BCL Trail website. If you enjoyed this episode or this podcast in general, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review. It helps get the word out to as many people as possible to help grow this podcast series and keep it going. If you want to follow us along on those social media channels, you can by going to facebook.com slash cascadianbeer. We're on Twitter at cascadianbeer and on Instagram at cascadianbeerpodcast. 
For more information, previous episodes, and a whole lot of other stuff, you can go to the website at cascadian.beer. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time. And until next time, remember, support your local.